Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of FTU Life After the Military. I'm your host, Tony Rodriguez. And for those of you who don't know, the FTU and FTU Life After the Military stands for Fat, Tired, and Useless. Uh, this podcast is um, meant to help people not get to that point. And today I'm joined by my good friend Austin. Uh, we were on the same on two teams together back in 2010 and 2011. And Austin has a very uh, he's part of a very unique club that most people don't want to be part of. But it's a bond that we all have together. Um, the group of people who have been to the mean streets of Georgetown and not Georgetown um, up in D.C., but Georgetown, Guyana. And if you've never been there, I highly recommend you go there because you're going to go there once. And you're going to say, you know what? I have no complaints about the U.S. ever again. The U.S. is Shangri-La. It's paradise. And I never want to leave. Um, so, Austin, uh, with that, uh, welcome to the show. That's that's fantastic. No, it's it's great to be here. But what about the roti? I mean, we ate a lot of roti, and my memory of it, it was very good. But maybe I was just hungry. So, the roti was good. What I liked was that the goats seemed to be probably the smarter of the animal species in there in that country, because at least they would wait. To cross the street, they would look both ways to see if traffic was coming, and then they would cross. People, the donkeys, the cows, the dogs, the pigs, chickens—you name it—they just—they just went. They did. We had a few animals, not not people. We're, did we go to Did we go to Suriname? <clears throat> we did go to Suriname, not for long. Just to get across the border to say that we did, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. We did uh, the what? same. We did the same in Brazil. I think we crossed, pulled a U-turn, <laughs> went back just to hey, we were there. Well, you know what? It would, that's funny because I, I tell people now, it's like, hey man, uh, you might get sent on this wild goose chase to find the town of Good Hope. <clears throat> it does not exist. It's <laughs> one. It's one house. You know what I loved about Guyana is that we saw that entire country. Like that that was the nice part. For was it Mavaruma up north? We were like okay, you got to take a you got to drive to the river, take a boat, to take a taxi, take another boat up a river for six hours. So at, got to at, the, at the time it was miserable, but like we were talking earlier, you know the memory is great. I mean, to see a country by boat like that by speedboat. Yeah. Yeah, I think. No. Like we said, uh, in retrospect, I don't. I don't remember very many bad memories other than like wanting to be home, because you know I I joined the military and I was single, and then pretty quickly thereafter I got married because found the perfect woman, and uh, that was 14 years ago. And we've been married. We'll be, be 15 this next year. Uh, we just celebrated our 14th. And uh, and then when I got out four years later, I had two kids and one on the way. So it was, it was definitely time. that I think that was the hard part. But looking back, so fortunate that I dressed pretty much like this the entire time we were deployed. And uh, actually had Skype and things like that. So that was 
it was pretty lucky. Yeah, now some of the places we had dial-up internet, so the Skype was, eh, but at least we had it. It was better yeah. than nothing. It was more like an oil painting as you <laughs> as you watched it, but yeah, the audio was there. Yeah, which is great, right? I mean, that was awesome. I was I was wondering what FTU stand stood for. Uh, that tired and useless. I got I like it. So I got that. That's not mine. That was from the drill sergeants at Fort <clears throat> Benning, what is now called Fort Moore. Um, Moore? Yeah. When, when you show up for reception, you know, you have to do that first initial physical fitness test, right? And it's something ridiculous, like 25 push-ups, 25 sit-ups, and mm-hmm. run a mile in like, what, 11 minutes something, right? And uh, I, I remember they were um, having people do, <clears throat> I could hear the drill sergeants, got another one for FTU. You know, like, it's like, oh, this guy's going to FTU. It's like, oh, I didn't know what it was. So I thought it's like, man, maybe that's where they send like the, you know, like the pre-ranger stuff. Or like, that's where they send the guys that are going to be like in Delta forces. I had no idea what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep, I was coming from East Los Angeles. I didn't know what any of that meant. And then uh, it wasn't until later on in basic training that uh, one of the, I just, we asked one of the drill sergeants and he said, no, FTU, that's where we send the guys who are fat, tired, and useless. They're like, oh, damn. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm glad I didn't go there. Because <laughs> I was all offended. offended. It's like, man, like, what, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I go to FT? Why am I not cutting it? You know? Yeah. So, never mind. That's one of the times that uh, just keeping my mouth shut really helped me out. Yep. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, when I first signed up for the military, I signed up under... I was going to be super cool, and I'm, I'm glad I, I didn't get to be super cool because uh, I signed up for the 18 X-ray program, and I was going to be special forces. And but then I told them about my shoulder surgery, and they said, "Oh well, this airborne physical that we gave you is no longer good." I'm like, okay, so I, I've vanilla medic enlisted and uh, signed up to go to the the Sockham course during AIT. And you know where they sent me after that? Depending. For airborne school on the same, same physical that they'd drawn a line through like four months earlier and so i guess the physical was good they just didn't yeah but it meant that you know i got to fort bragg at the right time to meet my wife to get involved in civil affairs to get connected with you and have the deployments that i did versus you know probably would have ended up in the, in the sandbox in the mountains and uh I, that'd have been, been different yeah um you know i enjoyed my time in the 82nd but the best t- part about the 82nd was the day I left. Yeah. Because um, those guys, it's, it's a different world down there. Yeah. My best day in the 82nd was still worse than my worst day in civil affairs. That's uh, saying something. Because we deployed alongside those folks down in, down in Haiti, which was miserable. That's that's probably the longest month of my life. <laughs> yeah, Haiti. I I could just imagine. I remember when they were looking for people in headquarters to go, and the sergeant major looked at me as like shook my head. I told him <clears throat> I did that, and he knew it's like if you try to send me to Haiti, I will show up drunk. <laughs> yeah, I think the worst part is that they, so I deployed. Evidently, this is what I do. I, I just deploy after everyone else. Uh, and I, 
and I just got into the unit, so they, they sent me down, I think, three weeks after everyone, and said, hey, we'll probably bring everybody back in two weeks. But after two weeks, every day for about another two weeks was the, was the day that we were leaving. And so, hey, we're going tomorrow. Great. Going back, going back home. Nope. And, and to have that sort of uh, day after day after day is... It was long. It was long days. Yeah, yeah, I, I could imagine. So, uh, you know, we did some time together in, in uh, beautiful country of Guyana, which I, I spoke. I spoke to Tom not too long ago. Uh, the DCM. Oh yeah. Well, that's been a long time. Yeah, he, he, he's doing great. He retired. Uh, he's living life. You know, his daughter's married. She married a, a, a young man. He was in the 82nd. They got married before he joined. And okay. He, he ended up at Fort Bragg, and they're out now. They're out living in the West Coast. I talked to him, and we, we brought that up about, you know, just getting on the boat. Because remember, he went with us up there. It's like, Dad, like, I was pretty impressed. It's like, a DCM's getting on a boat. Like, he's going to do this crazy eight, nine-hour trip with us. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, that was good. And then we have Mr. Elkins out there. Do you keep up with Brooke? Uh, a little bit here and there. Um, you know, he he just earned his PhD not too long ago. Oh, you're going to be in the doctor's club. Yeah, he's he's a he's a VIP. Uh, you know, he's a full board colonel now. He's a VIP. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like, like he's he's up there. It's like I don't... I'm, I'm hesitant to reach out because I think uh, Brooke has like moved on like he's living up in the ivory tower now and he doesn't have time for the peon, a peon like me you know so but I can say I knew him like I knew that guy I, I knew that guy once yeah it's good uh, but I also I, I really appreciated like our time together in Guyana um, with you and with Rudy Rudy um, was a lot of fun well one you you made my life easy and you had a lot of common sense. For those people who are listening, when Austin joined, he already had a, he was an E4 when I met him, and he already had a bachelor's degree from Rice University, right? That's right, Electri- yeah. In electrical engineering. Also right. Yes. And to this day, I was still have no idea, like, why, why is this guy in the military and why is he an E4 like why didn't he go OCS and like he could be the officer here because you looking at you like Rudy and I would talk about this when it was just Rudy and I when Rudy wasn't yelling at me and he wasn't yelling that's just how Rudy talked you know yeah. uh, I was like that guy that guy he's like he should be an officer he's good he's like yeah I know Rudy I know it's like you need to get him to go to OCS it's like uh, okay, like Rudy, what do you want me to do? Hold a gun to him? Like, <laughs> like I can't force him uh, to go. It's funny when I was looking to join the military. So I guess the backstory is: so I, I finished my undergrad in five years because the first two years I did music because I was trying to do math and music. I focused on music first two years. Finished electrical engineering in those last three. Was thinking about medicine in the last year. My parents were like, "No, you just you need to finish a degree." I'm like, okay, well, let, let me go do that. Uh, worked for a year, University of Texas, um, on the University of Texas research campus, designing so- sonar algorithms for submarines, and 
uh, just want to get out, wanted to learn language, wanted to get medical training after all. Um, I've always been interested in the military. And again, the, the hook was special forces, and that looked cooler than any of the officer jobs. And so, um, you know, with the things that changed, like I mentioned earlier, like, well, let me go in anyway and, and see what happens. Uh, I would recommend to anyone who does have a degree, go in as an officer. You, you're still going to get exposure and experience and getting out of the military makes it a lot, um, a lot easier as well. Uh, in terms of in terms of finding a job and having some bullet, I'll say bullet points that that it's easy to translate. I think there are a lot of transferable skills, and it's interesting. I we have a, a lot of groups that so I'm currently employed by Liberty Mutual. Uh, we have a lot of resource groups and resources um, for veterans, and part of that's like we're having conversations with some some newer folks about how to translate that that military experience into a way that that makes sense in in the corporate world i mean i literally just had a conversation this week about that um it's uh but there there are a lot of, of things but if you're going to go in and you can go in as an officer do that there'll be more opportunities even, even if the job descriptions don't look that cool yeah definitely so um i ended up being the battalion senior medic Right for the 98, uh, and when that, we would get new medics in, I would tell them, "Look, you owe us a certain amount of time. During that time, do whatever units you have to. Go apply to PA school and get the hell out of here. Yeah, go be a PA, and then you're an officer at the same time. And, mm-hmm. and, and go, go. Mm-hmm. And then the worst thing you're going to do is you're going to have to do sick call at some division with some drunken private coming in." Saying that they can't run because their knee hurts, but they're just hungover. That that's going to be your life dealing with that. But you're going to yeah. get the officer pay and a good skill out of it. So yeah, just move on. Yeah, those are those are pretty phenomenal programs that the military has. That both the enlisted to office like PA or enlisted to I think that you can go to medical schools like Ushu's or something like that. But yeah, so there was actually one one guy. Um, Frank, this guy is the epitome of perseverance, right? Because he won to Sockham, didn't make it. Ended up going to civil affairs, uh, and it went down to ranger school, spent, however long it is, he spent twice that amount of time there. Because he kept recycling, right? Yeah. And he's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it. And he did. He was like, I don't know how you did it, but more power to you. Went back to Sockham, passed. Nice. Good for him. And then he decided, well, you know, I have my degree, so um, I'm going to apply for this medical program. And he got accepted. Oh, sweet. To go be a doctor. He's like, what do you think I should do? It's like, you need to get the hell out of here. That's what you need to do. He's like, go. Like, why are you even thinking about it? Like, Pack your bags today. Tell your wife, hey, meet me over there. Yeah. And so, yeah, I always like to see guys, like, come over to special operations, come over to civil affairs, psyops, special forces, whatever it is, but use it as a stepping stone to go higher. 
mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that our experience in the military, my experience, you know, what we did in Guyana and, and Colombia and doing the work that we did, it was building relationships and it was coordinating medical outreach. So it's like project management and partnership. Um, and those are both very transferable skills as you think about getting out of the, out of the military, working with the, working with the team that we had. Um, so I, it was interesting getting out, you know, when I got out, I went, went to my MBA program and I was trying to figure out where, where do I go after the military that's going to support my family and like provide a smooth kind of exit ramp. I looked at, I mean, I actually looked at the, uh, the medical route, but it just didn't, I was going to have to redo like a couple of years of prereqs and then go to medical school. I'm like, we're going to starve before I, I finish this. Like that one's out. I thought about seminary and similar story to medical school. It's like, well, look, that one's out. Hey, business school, two years, really 18 months. And like, it's going to spit me out into a, allow me to transition. I think that's what I really liked about business school is that I could go not know what I wanted to be on the, on the back end of it. Um, but the, the programs, a lot of MBA programs are, are set up to be, uh, like, it's like half school, half career search and exploration and preparation. Um, and I, I found that really helpful coming out of, uh, coming out of the military. Um, cause GI Bill paid for it, paid most, paid a good chunk of, uh, the expenses as well. Um, but that's, you know, definitely put that to use. And then major employers recruit on campus. And so they, uh, you know, I applied to several, I think my first year and a half, maybe first year I did, I looked a lot into real estate. I thought I was going to do real estate development or, um, I was going down that track because UNC had a good program, but, uh, think that that last year I wanted to just go have go ahead and have a job in the fall heading into my my final year so I could do this leadership immersion so I could just know and not not be worried about it in in terms of the transition Liberty was the uh, the only one that I think Liberty was the only one that offered me a job uh, but it was also allowed me to come back back to Texas where my family is and uh, it's been good it was nine and a half so nine years ago in 2014, I got, I've been here at Liberty because I went, I got out in 2012, business school for two years and then Liberty ever since. And it's been, it's been good because I feel like, I feel like I'm well compensated for what I do. I'm in analytics now. I've been all around kind of the claims organization, but, uh, it's, it's fun, provides well, and, uh, there's kind of room to grow and move around. So I, I appreciate that. You said that Liberty was the only um, place that offered you a job. It's like, no, oh, that's awesome. It's like all you need is one place to offer you a job if it's, right, if it's the right place. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny as you know, you knew from my time in the military, man of faith, and so yeah, it was that was the prayer. It was like, hey, 
open the door is supposed to open, shut the doors are supposed to shut. And I'll, I'll tell you what, all the, all the other doors did shut. Even once I thought, I, I'm definitely getting an offer from this place. No, I did not. But uh, it was grateful for, for being able to end up here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. My, my pictures over here are outdated. I think that's a picture of my daughter from when we were, we were probably in Columbia at the time that, that one was taken. So uh, I need to update. No, that's all right, because, uh, you know, on my phone I still have uh, it's kind of dark, but picture of my daughter, right? <laughs> She's a, a senior at the University of Alabama, and she hates that picture. And yet that's – I'm going to keep that on my phone till the day I die. Forever? Yeah. So Beautiful. that – it's like I'm your father. I I can have whatever picture I want on there. <clears throat> That's right. You know, as I think about my transition, you know, the resources. And I'm not sure if, if the military has gotten better with this since I got out, but I I don't feel like the military transition programs, at least at the time, were very good. Um, I I did the research to figure out kind of the programs, and there there wasn't a whole lot of job search help as I, as I recall, or, or helping me build a resume or kind of any of that. Um, there was, there's a little bit of stuff, but it, it, looking back, I don't remember it being helpful. Um, so it has gotten better. Um, of course that the pandemic set everything back, right? Cause you had to do it online. And so, as long as you were logged in, you could shut your camera off and then go take a nap, right? And so mm-hmm. It's what you got out of it, what you put into it, right? So, but even the resume building, it's still very generic. They help you build a generic resume. They don't explain to you how to tailor it to the job. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's better than nothing, but it can improve. My biggest gripe with it was... Um, can you please stop hiring veterans to teach the job, these jobs because they still speak to people like they're in the military and you no longer have a rank. So stop yelling at me. Stop giving me the knife edge. It's like, cause I, I don't care. Like I don't, the lady who gave us a VA briefing, it's like, I, at lunchtime I had to ask her, can I just get the booklet and leave? Cause I'm getting nothing out of your program. And she was offended, but she's like, well, take it if you have all the answers. Like, yeah, I don't need your help at all. Now, that's just me. I don't recommend anybody to do that. But I never needed her help before. I didn't need it that day, and I don't need it now. And I never will. So I just yeah. left because I had other things to do. Right. You know, it's all, all about how you learn. Just by sitting through a class, trying to soak up information. Like, if, if you're an auditory learner and she's going to share, share the stuff in the book, okay, great. But I, I prefer just let me let me re- read through this booklet that probably has a couple of useful things, and I'll do it in much less time. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but, uh, you mentioned UNC. Just so everybody knows, just, I want to make it perfectly clear. Austin has an undergrad from Rice University and an MBA from UNC Chapel Hill. Okay. So, so it's not like uh, you know. Fayetteville State or UNC, uh, 
out now um, down by the Merck, or, you know, Pembroke. They're fine schools, they're fine institutions, but like I explained to my daughter who is, the name of your college matters. It does. People don't like to say it does, but it does. It matters. That So she she's going to pursue an MBA, and she asked where. I said, you're applying to Duke, you're applying to UNC Chapel Hill, you're applying to Northwestern, and then you pick an Ivy League school. I don't care which one, pick one. Yep. So she picked Penn. Yeah, and it makes a difference, particularly because it, and I mentioned earlier, it's it's part school, part job hunt, like part career. Yeah. And a big part of that is companies coming on campus to, I mean, early earlier in the se- in the season, they come on to do informational sessions. Hey, we're having, <laughs> we'll give you dinner, come hear about our, our company. And it's them you know, sharing about the company later on. They'll actually come and do interviews on campus. And <clears throat> depending on what you want, well, I'll just say it this way. The best companies go to the best schools. Like when I went to UNC Chapel Hill, I think at the time it was in the, in the top, I think it was in the, like the teens and it's still, it's still very good. I think it's, I, I haven't looked recently. It's probably still there. Uh, but there is, there is a difference in the accept rate that comes from those top, those top tier schools where there's top 10 or, or top 20 and, and the recruiting that happens. And it's because of the reputation that those schools have for producing those those candidates. So if you think about those those MBA rankings, you know it's based like those rankings are based on like pre MBA versus post MBA salary, like strength of the of the network, career growth and and like career progression since you get like since you take your job after MBA, an MBA program. And so it's a lot of actual based on a lot of actual results and how how much better standing it places you afterwards so yes you're all that to say you're absolutely right in terms of of prioritizing those if you if if she's able to if you if you can for your listeners out there so what i what i also have found is that uh if you're a veteran a lot of these schools want to accept you um so Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you don't have a a perfect gpa a 4.0 5.0 whatever it is now i don't i don't know um, maybe you don't. Maybe you're undergrad like me. I, you know, I was came in at a whopping three point two. Um, not good, not bad. Eh, it's eh, it's seventy percent, like everything I do. Right? You got the piece of paper though. Yeah, but it allowed me to go to Troy for an, in my international relations uh, degree, mm-hmm. and then I applied to Irvine for the master's in criminology, and. Irvine right now is like top five in criminology degrees in the in the United States, and the the week our initial class it was a week long, right? And the other students were asking, "Well, what's the acceptance rate? How many people applied?" And they got to me. It's like, Antonio, do you have any questions? I don't care if you accepted me because I'm a veteran. I don't care if you accepted me because I'm Latino, Mesoamerican. I don't care if you accepted me because I'm bald, short, fat. I don't care. I just want to see it in the program. Yeah. 
So that's so if you're a veteran, apply because a lot of these schools want to be veteran friendly and they want to help veterans out. So yeah, as long as you have, well, please make sure you have an undergraduate. Don't apply to the MBA program. You have no school whatsoever. Right. Yeah, that, that's true. Go ahead and start where you start at the very beginning. And certainly if you are in the military and you're thinking about getting out or working towards that direction, take classes now. Like you need to finish off your undergrad. There's, there is downtime. You just have to choose to use it for something productive versus, you know, a host of other things that would be unproductive. Yeah. I mean, you know, in all of our rotations, um, and I was able to do at least one class each time going out to include Iraq, right? And um, guys came back and they were buying new BMWs and boats. I was putting my money into a college. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, now I work, I still work on Fort Liberty, um, and we'll see for how much longer. Do it. So I don't want to do it and go work somewhere else because yeah. that education has given me options to do other things. Yeah. And I think about also, so there's some different programs uh, that, that pair veterans up with, they're essentially trying to place veterans in jobs. I know that we, like Liberty's worked with American corporate partners um, for mentorship, uh, hiring our heroes, this is a program that we've we've hired a number of veterans out of. Um, you know, you get to get they essentially put them in a cohort, kind of scatter them around to a bunch of different companies, and the idea is that after the end of their their kind of an internship, that they they place into full time roles. But those are um, really great opportunities if you can can get in those. Uh, I think about schooling and the GI Bill. If you look at the GI Bill on the surface, you're like, oh. It, Pays, you know, I forget what it is per year, $12,000, $15,000 of tuition. You're like, oh, that's not going to pay for in these Ivy League schools. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of them are involved with what's called the Yellow Ribbon Program. I'm not sure if it's still called that, but it, it essentially makes up the difference. So, you know, if you're going to a school that's $50,000 a year, then and GI Bill only covers to a point. Usually that Yellow Ribbon Program will cover a lot more. So, um I wouldn't. I wouldn't let that keep you keep you out of it because um, it can be really good. And you know what? After the military, having a school schedule for a little while was really nice. Like I think when I first got back from Columbia, I'd been married. I think I'd been married sixteen months, and I'd been deployed for seventeen. Like seventeen. I've got this backwards. Married, anyhow, I, I've been married, deployed longer than I've been home out of the time that I've been married. That's that's what I was trying to say. And uh, so, when I got to UNC, lived on campus less than a mile away. It was a nine-minute walk to campus from our apartment, and having a few classes, going home, doing some homework, seeing the family. Oh, that was nice. That was real nice. So it was like almost like a detox, decompress after after that that season so I, I think I mentioned to you that I, I, I'm in a boot camp right at Chapel Hill for data huh. analytics I don't know if you told me it was Chapel Hill that's that's cool what do y'all learn but you didn't mention the data analytics which is 
piqued my interest. Tell me about that. So the first, this is very the, sec, the second week. So, you know, we started out small and we were doing uh, Excel, right? And we're working in VBA. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I'm all excited because, yeah, I'm having uh, the message boxes uh, boxes pop up. It's like, yeah, oh, awesome. Oh. I, I just cured cancer. Woo! You know, it's like, no, moron, this is basic stuff. This is anybody can do this. This feels good. It's like, watch a YouTube video and you can do it. <laughs> it's true. But, but still, learn. Yeah. So um, next week we're going to get into Python. And so there's several reasons why I started this because it, it's – not expensive, but at the same time, it's not cheap um, because it's a six-month program, and it's about eleven thousand dollars. We were going to say that's a little pricey, and it is. But if you look into the job market, data analytics is something nice to have. All over the place, yeah. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, however, if I, if I could get a job with the Durham Bulls, then I'm going to take it, or with the. Um, Carolina um, Hurricanes, the hockey team yeah. up here, then yeah, if I can get it with a sports team, I'll take it. Um, but I did it for two reasons mainly. Um, when I start doing my dissertation, I'm going to have to do some some number crunching, right? Sure. And so I'm pretty good with Stata, but Stata is Stata, Stata, however you want to pronounce it. It's, it doesn't really give you the, the presentation that you want. Like it's <clears throat> it's very dry it's very vanilla it's like the guy the teacher talking in ferris bueller is like these are my numbers this is my data it's like and you don't want to bore people when you have to defend your dissertation right so yeah. I, I want some experience with the programs um tableau i've never used it but i heard it's pretty pretty hip that's the thing to use um, yeah we had we used some of the tableau before we switched have as a company to Power BI, but yeah, like our main tools are Excel, SQL, SAS. Yeah. There's some groups that are using Python and some of the more data sciencey type things. Um, Those are the two yep. in the job search I've heard. It's like, a, do you know Python? Do you know SQL? Those mm-hmm. are the two that are in, in uh, just researching jobs <clears throat> and data analytics. Python, SQL, Python, SQL, and then they throw in their. Oh, do you have any experience with Tableau? But no. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think about what our, like when we're hiring for people within our analytics group, they, SQL is a, like that's the sort of like the baseline technical skill. You know, our group doesn't use Python. Other sister groups that we have do. Um, so they might want that. But those, I'd say those are kind of like table stakes to learn some of those those skills. It's really about the, understanding how, how data fits together and the concepts and how you approach it to answer a, answer a question or try to solve a problem. Uh, I think, you know, within my team, you know, what the skills that we're trying to develop are those around asking the right questions and framing the problem such a way that we understand, you know, getting to the data and visualizing it. Okay. Now everyone can see that there's a trend line going in a direction, but it doesn't really tell you anything until you start asking, well, why is it going, why is this trend, whatever it is, going down? And you start asking, is it because of X, Y, or Z? And then you start breaking it apart um, to help the business know, all right, we all agree that this doesn't look right or doesn't look good. So what are we actually trying to solve? What do we need to do differently? 
And um, that is like this analytical process. That's, that's the real premium and skill. And I'll say also the, the hustle that we, that we see is like, if you can see that someone's really eager and willing to work hard and go after it, which is, I think, I think something that's very transferable from the military, uh, sort of like a work ethic, um, not as common as it may be, as I wish it was. Let's say it that way. That's very generous, right? Um, but if, if you get in there and you, you want to work and figure it out, and like, that's you put a high premium on that of, of just like, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to learn. Awesome. Come and we'll teach you. We'll teach you the things you need to know. So I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I uh, also see. I try to see things from different points of view now. Uh-huh. Um, so the hustle that you're talking about, right? The worth ethic. Yeah. Um, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, um, right? Because between the hours of my work hours are eight and four. And so from eight and four, I, I have to do my job to the yep. best of my ability. Um, now at 430, I'm done. Like, oh, yeah. Like, 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 like. The thing about like the military, because um, you know, I referenced these two numbskulls that were in the military. I don't think you knew them, uh, Benny Goodtimes and La Pierda, the Rock, right? No, I don't think so. The guy, the guy, the Rock. Um, they call him La Pierda because um, he was a moron, right? Dense like a rock, but he was all. He would always tell people, "They call me the Rock because I'm hard." No, you're a moron. Is it the? You're you're stupid. Um, of course, he made it to the rank of first sergeant, and uh, he would keep his people till like eight o'clock at night. Oh, um, so they could show he could show the sergeant major, look, look how hard we're working. They weren't doing anything; they were just sitting in their team rooms and weren't allowed to go home. That's yeah, and that that's good clarification. I work really hard for about forty hours a week, and it's also like this smarter and it. Curiosity, I think particularly in data analytics, there's a curiosity that, hey, why is this happening? If I, I got an answer, but why is this the answer? And, and trying to look into it. So I think proact being proactive in like in those hours that you work. Uh, but because I, you know, I tell you what, I don't like working late, yeah. and for the most part, I don't. So. Uh, and I don't, don't like it when my, my folks have to work late either. It's like, your time's your time. And uh, you should go enjoy that. Because we're, pay, we're paying you for this. There might be a, occasional times where we have a deliverable. Yeah, we're going to pitch in and hit that. But for the most part, like we'll make it up somewhere else. And there's going to be some days that are lighter. And uh, so, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm yeah. a family guy. I, I value family. You, I really appreciate, you know, when I was in and we deployed, it came Christmas time. You're like, you said, no, send him back. I'll stay here in Guyana or Colombia. And I, I appreciate that. You made it possible for me to get back. So thank you. Well, I also do that. You had been married recently and you had spent more time away from your family than you had with them. Yeah. yeah, it was true. I didn't want you to go down the path like the majority of the people in our our unit, with the married and divorced within three years. Yeah. 
What I feel like we went to Colombia as like 25 people. Well, down on that deployment, 25 of us went to different countries. Four came back divorced, something like that. Yeah. It, was, it was bad. Yeah. Some blood bath. The sad thing is I think that was probably one of the better um, percentages of uh, how many people got divorced. Because um, usually it's a little higher. <clears throat> wow. So, but... Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, working hard. Uh, it reminded me, I was talking to Enrique uh, because, you know, he's into real estate, right? Real estate mm-hmm. investment. He's, he doesn't flip houses. It's commercial uh, real estate. And he has a podcast, right? And he talks about that. And I was telling him, it's like, Enrique, like, you, you know me and you know how I work, right? It's like, if I have to work hard, I'll work hard. But that's not, like, my first choice. <laughs> You know, it's like, why? It's like, and I was, I've been told this throughout my life. It's like, you're lazy, right? You're lazy, you're lazy. It's like, my calculus teacher put it the best way I've ever heard. It's like, you are constructively lazy. And it's like, what does that mean? It's like, is that an insult? It's like, no, no, no. It's like, okay. And I didn't need anything else. It's like, you find a way to do the work without having to put in full effort. It's like, and that's what you need to do. Like, you need to find something where, it's like, you need to be efficient. Like, just find a way to do the job, meet the criteria, whatever that is, without expending full effort. And yeah. I, I told him, Enrique, when I started this podcast, I was lying on my couch. It's like, and I just held up my iPad. And I said, hey, Siri. And she answered and said, how do I start a podcast? And it came up. <laughs> and then I said, what's the best programs to start a podcast? And it came up. I said, okay, I guess I'll start a podcast. And like, it literally took 10 seconds. Amazing. And I was asking him how he does it. He's like, wow, well, you don't use Zoom. It's like, you're killing yourself, buddy. Like, why? Like, there's programs that do it for you. Like, it's podcast for dummies. Oh, it's like I didn't. So, I like my boss because he he's like you, right? Like, we work from 8 to 4. Like, we might mm-hmm. have to stay late every once in a while if classes are going on because the unit, they work 9 to 5, right? So, they might want that extra hour. It's like, you might have to stay to 5 today, uh, but tomorrow, leave early. Yeah. But that's fine. We'll make it up. Don't worry about it, Or you pick the day that you want to leave early. I don't care. Sure. And that's what I appreciate. It's like, just do your job. I don't care how you do it. I, I was messing with him. It's like, so could I subcontract my workout to somebody? <laughs> it's like, hey, it's like, if you're going to pay for it and it meets the standard, what the customer wants, I don't care. <laughs> All right. Just, just take off the middle. Yeah. Because I had this discussion with him about soldiers, right? Soldiers always want subject matter experts. Well, what's a subject matter expert? We are subject matter experts on Guyana. Yeah. Because how many people know any... When I came back and we had to go to, um, what is it, the medical review, SRC? Oh, yeah. And I gave the guy my, my, my paperwork. He's like, Guyana, so how did you like Africa? <laughs> It's like, it was great, but I went to South America. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I and, mean, how many people know about, 
what was that little coffee shop called? The Oasis? The Oasis. Oh, man. So much coffee. So much. It's still in. I briefed the guys that are going to Guyana. Look, this is where all the expats hang out. out. Don't talk about business here. Yep. It's like, because every country is represented there. Every country that has an embassy hangs out there. So don't talk shop. Yeah. But the soldiers, the Smees, right? They don't know. So I told my boss, it's like, I'm thinking about just hiring actors and putting together a presentation, just telling them, hey, just read what's on the slide, but make it convincing. And just telling the soldiers, yeah, these are professors from so-and-so university. Because they don't research it. They don't know. They don't know. It's like, he's like, you can't do that. It's like, I'm not going to. It's like, but that's my point. It's like you have these young soldiers who are 21 years old. They have a high school diploma. They've never been out of the United States. I need a subject matter expert. Well, I am one. No, 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 no. I need somebody who... Uh, works at a university. They're like, I just bring anybody in and they wouldn't know the difference. Do you remember Renee? The crackhead in Guyana? No. Oh, so... <laughs> I remember Renee. So you're not missing much. Uh, <laughs> because he was a literal crackhead. Okay. He, he was a homeless man that smoked a lot of crack in his life, was missing all of his teeth. And uh, he scared one of the teens down there uh, because, you know, he walked up to them and asked them, because Renee, remember the plates, right? They were diplomatic plates. So That's right. Renee was smart enough to remember the plates. And he would walk around Georgetown to find the plates and wait outside for the guys to come out. So he would ask every team for money because he knew that was an American team. Interesting. And he knew that the Americans were more willing to give him money just to get the hell out of here. Get out of my face. Here. Here's 200 Guyanese. Go away. And then Rene would keep the other crackheads away from him. Right? Like, he would work for it. Like, he would keep away. Hey, man, leave him alone. Well, Rene, you know, he had the crackhead uh, twitch. So he would, like, when he talk, like, he couldn't control his eyes and his mouth. Right? He's talking like this, but his mouth... It's moving like five times faster than the words that are coming out. <laughs> and he asked one of the teams about that. Like, hey, do you know this guy? And then he mentioned like three other people. Scared him. They went back to the team house, reported it. They shut down the mission for like three weeks. What? Wow. I get a call from Miami. Hey, can you get on the red phone? It's like, wow. I'm the senior medic. Why would I have a red phone? <laughs> like, like, what, what, what do you need to talk about that needs to be read? And so I, I got on the red phone, and they're uh, asking. It's like, hey, do you know Renee? It's like, the crackhead? It's like, is that like a code name you had for him? It's like, no, we called him Renee the crackhead because he literally smoked was. As, as much crack as he possibly could. <laughs> and then we were, we were, I was asked, it's like, well, are you sure he's not like a spy? Because you know those guys, they go deep, deep, deep undercover. Well, if Renee's a spy, he deserves whatever the equivalent of a a Medal of Honor is in his country. That guy's been living on the streets for the past decade. (laughs) He's living the life now. 
Yeah. Wow. And uh, that's just my my little two cents about like <clears throat> soldiers and just the military. Like they get so carried away with stuff that really isn't important. That you start going down rabbit holes. And to bring it back to transitioning now, it's like, look, man, like, like we talked about before, you don't need 10 job offers. You just need one, right? Yeah. Find something you want to do and it, it would enjoy doing. It doesn't even have to be the perfect job offer to start off. You can no. find a job, work there for a year, and then move on. Or six months, two months. Just don't be yeah. one of those people who... Just hopping through jobs every every three three months. Yeah, because that that does look bad, and even in today's environment where we might expect someone to jump every year or two, doing it any faster than that is uh, frowned upon. Because if yeah. we hire you, if if we hire you, we're gonna we don't want you to leave in a year, and don't don't give us a reason to think you will. Yeah, exactly. And if you have all those jobs on there, it's like, will you even get the interview? It's like, this guy's going to quit in four months anyway. So what's the point? Why do we even? Why are we going to go through the hassle? Yep. Yeah, our hiring process. I mean, it takes a long time to hire people. I feel like you know, our, our process usually takes the time between the time where we open an offer to where we finally fill it and get someone in the door and get them up to speed. I mean, this it, we invest a lot in people, and so. It's, it's probably six months before someone, by the time we okay, open the rec to when they're pretty self-sufficient, maybe longer. And so to invest that kind of time is for someone who's not going to stay. Is, is We don't want to do that. We want people to stay. We want people to have a long career. Yeah, why not? I'm, and if you're like, when I got this job, I was like looking, already looking for another job, right? Um, because I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay there. But why not give it a chance? Why not like mm-hmm. see what the environment is, my coworkers? I've learned a great deal from my coworkers who have never, never been in the military. And I greatly appreciate that uh, because, you know, stuff that we put up with in the military, is like, we don't have to put up with that. Like, no. Right. Why would we put up with that nonsense? It's, it's like... I thought we had to. It's like, no. It's like, you know, like, hey, let's all clean up the hallway. It's like, I'm not cleaning up the hallway. It's like, we don't have to. It's like, no, we're not in the army. Oh, okay. Awesome. Then I won't either. Yeah. And it's just stupid stuff like that where, you know, it was brainwashed for 22 years. Um, you know, I have a whiteboard in my office and it's still on the floor. Right? And I was told it's it's been a year now. It's like, hey, you can put that up whenever you want. It's like, awesome. It's not going to go up because I wasn't hired hired to be you know a handyman. I don't do construction. And so it's just there on the floor. It's like, are you ever going to use it? It's like, yeah, if it ever gets put up. It's like, well, when are you going to put it up? Never. It's like, it's like whenever okay. you have someone do it. And it's like, you can take it out. And they're like, well, why don't you move it out? Well, because of my shoulders, I'm not going to lift that thing because it's too much weight. Oh, okay. And that's not, I'm not BSing. That's just the truth. It's like, I'm not going to injure myself physically 
I'm not going to move heavy stuff objects around. It, that's not my job. That's not why I was hired. Yeah. I'm willing to help out. Like, yeah, I'll take my trash out. I'll do stuff. But I'm not going to go to the hallway and strip the floor and wax it. Well, that just brought back bad memories. Oh, man. I'm going to be honest. There are some days when I, I, I just think about, like, life would be so much easier if I could just strip, be responsible for stripping the floor and just waxing it. Just Maybe you, you could, after you get this PhD, get, a, get it to your next job in, you know, janitorial services. <laughs> your PhD in janitorial service, custodial operations. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what my dissertation would be on. <laughs> Comparative analysis of uh, Mr. Clean and uh, Mop and Glow. Whatever the green stuff is. What would they use in uh, the ninety eighth all the time? I forgot. It, it was some stuff that I saw in South America. I'd never noticed it before. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, that's all we use. That was a. Uh... It's funny. I have, I have memories back to Guyana and Colombia. It's just like driving the windy roads down the down the mountain, and or in Guyana, avoiding potholes and driving probably faster than we should have. Or being on the other side, driving on the other side of the road. I mean, yeah, because in Guyana was, it was on the left, right? Yeah, and then that would be fine. But then you're. Uh, so, fortunately, we had regular trucks, but on the second rotation, um, we had a we had a replacement of the trucks out. So, driving the stick shift was on the other side. So you were sitting on the oh, right. No. So you're like Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Like you hear people grinding the clutch. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It's like, bro. Pull over, I'm going to drive. You had your shot, like, you can't do it. Like, pull over, I got it. Oh, man. So, yeah, it's, you know, it was it was an awesome time. Uh, they finally opened up a movie theater out there, so they're moving up yeah. in the world. You, you could, so what, you could do more than just go to a casino? Yeah, and... Uh, Lose money on blackjack? <laughs> upset, upset everybody there, because you're on the end. Hit me! No! Shut up! <laughs> oh. I, yeah. I, I think you hit your 10 years down there while we were... Or you re-upped something. You, you went you went it, uh, career while we were down... Or whatever. I forget what it's called. Tell, you yeah, in-def. In-def. Yeah. In-def. That's it. So I did that because they, they offered the, um, to transfer my GI Bill to my children at the time. <clears throat> Hmm. And so I figured I better jump on this before the army decides it's a bad deal, and uh, come up with some crazy rules. And once they realize people are doing it, it's like, oh no, no, we need to change the rules because too many people like it. Yeah. So we have to make sure people don't like it. And uh, so that paid for Ashley's undergrad. Her oh, perfect. All of her undergrad. So. And so her her MBA. We're going to use our like, chapter thirty five since the VA said. Not only are you 100% disabled, Mr. Rodriguez, you are 370% disabled. <laughs> 370, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's impressive. 
And I said, well, what about like if you remove my sleep apnea? It makes no difference. It makes no difference. You're. I was like, so what are you saying? It's like you enjoy these these years because your mobility is going to go downhill pretty quick. It's like awesome. <laughs> yeah, something to look forward to. <laughs> so, I, speaking of that, I found out recently that Texas has this thing called the Hazelwood Act, which for veterans is kind of like the GI Bill. So I, I'm. I've used parts of my GI Bill, but if I wanted to, I believe I can also use this Hazelwood Act either for myself or for my kids, and it's it's almost like a whole other GI Bill. So I think good to look at state programs as as well as as like you know the ones the military gives because they're they're out there, and I, I, mean, I didn't even realize it until recently. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I never want to go back to California, not even to visit, not to catch a connecting flight. Nothing. I don't even want to fly over the state. Uh, however, for veterans and dependents of veterans, they can apply to a, if you're found to be 30% disabled um, by the VA, you can go to a Cal State um, tuition-free. Okay. So that's fair. Not a UC. They're not going to let you go to UCLA or UC Berkeley. They're, no, no. It has to be a Cal State. That's all right. You can still go to uh, San Luis Obispo or San Diego State. You know, mm-hmm. Some nice schools, nice areas. You know, you'll be all right. Yep. Uh, Florida also has some pretty good programs. North Carolina, not so much. Not so much. Not for uh, dependents, but for the veterans, yeah. Like, you can get some free money in North Carolina. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I probably should finish off my day here. We're headed out to the, the country to visit my dad this weekend. Go out there. My sons will celebrate my youngest's 11th birthday. Probably do some shooting. It's funny. I, I've done more shooting since I got out of the military than we did when we were in. <laughs> but uh, should be So a... before we go, we usually like offer an opportunity. Are there any uh, businesses that you'd like to promote? And do you have any shout-outs that you want to give to anybody? Uh, I hadn't thought of that. Well, I'll give my shout-outs. Um, okay. So the last the last episode, we give you a couple of minutes to think about it, or whatever you want to talk about or promote. Sure. Um, so the last episode I did was about uh, why I find the term Hispanic to be offensive, right? And so I... Upload all my episodes to Facebook and to YouTube. They go out on Twitter, the links, um, LinkedIn, everywhere. everywhere, Anywhere you can find a podcast, it's there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I promoted this episode, and I had quite a bit of interaction. And for everybody who has interacted with it, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, I had a lot of people who disagreed with my topic. I don't think they actually listened to the podcast which is perfectly fine. It's not for everybody. It's meant for a very specific group, veterans. Um, I had one gentleman who was very, very upset. He wanted to uh, ask me who who in the hell gave me the right to talk about something like that. Hmm. Which I appreciate it because it's like, wow, you took a couple of minutes out of your days to write this very aggressive and... uh, emotional message to me and I don't care 
because it's my opinion and uh yeah. you're you're more than welcome to state your opinion you can like my podcast not or not you know all i ask is that if if you listen to it and if you think it's garbage just pass it on to a veteran um another someone else that you might know because they might find value out of it um, i've had officers on here who have said like i don't agree with what you're saying about officers okay well, you're not going to change my mind and i'm not going to change yours so it, it doesn't really matter it's just just different opinions yeah that's okay um, because i don't owe anybody an explanation and i sure as hell don't need anybody's approval i'm not asking for permission those days are over so think if you're listening if you found that episode to be controversial um if you found the title to be controversial maybe you should listen to the episode because uh, it explains everything and why it's offensive and why it's not why I don't like the term why I don't like the term especially I don't like Hispanic I don't like Hispanic white and I sure as hell don't like Latinx <laughs> as we discussed before yep <clears throat> if you have to call me anything I, I prefer American um, because every time I deployed I didn't see the Mexican federales next to me I saw other Americans yeah, you had, you had the stars and stripes on your shoulder, not yeah. anything else. So that's what I prefer to be called, if anybody wants to know. American. After 11 deployments, I think I've earned it. I would think so. I would think so. Um, because I think about, there's a, uh, a movie that came out recently called, uh, I think it was Sound of, Sound of Freedom. It's a movie about trafficking that happens down... I think this was actually based out of this video is kind of based on things that happened in Colombia, but it's all, it happens all over. But uh, we are, our family is partnering with a, a ministry down in the DR, so the Dominican called uh, Raiz, and they're essentially trying to combat that. Just shortcut uh, some of the, the factors that that lead to people kind of engaging in the, the sex trafficking industry, uh, feeling like they have to kind of put themselves in that position. Um, and so that their their organization, that nonprofit, is is RiseDR.org. They're working on uh, getting a getting a building, continuing to do stuff. They they got down there right before COVID. So their their website's R-A-I-Z-D-R.org. And um, we're gonna take our, our family down over spring break and, and, and probably some some folks from our, our, our church as well, uh, just to kind of help help along what they're doing. Uh, they do some feeding, do some education, trying to help people break these cycles of of, uh, of poverty and and uh, and trafficking. It's 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 sad, and so um, so it's one of the things that we're we're up to these days. And uh, if, if anyone out there wants to you know, follow or follow or support, they they'd be happy for it. I know they just came back stateside for a bit for some help some health things, but their, their kids are running the ministry down there. So, uh, rice, they're, they're good folks. Tim and Holly Garland. Well, thanks. Thanks, Austin. That's very important. Um, you know, I'm not surprised that you're doing something like that. You're always a good person with a good heart and thank you for doing stuff like that. Yeah, you're welcome. We gotta, we gotta steward these lives that we, we have here well before they're, they're over and we, all right, so for everybody out there who's listening, um, whoever's listening in Minnesota, thank you very much. Um, before I had like one download, now it's 
Um, I only had one listener who downloaded one episode. It seems to have caught on with a couple of people, a few people. I've hit 1,000 downloads in Minnesota, which is awesome um, to go from one in a year to 1,000 in a couple of weeks. So I appreciate it greatly. Uh, for uh, transitioning military members, for veterans out there, just remember you have something that makes you unique. unique. You have something that makes you special. Identify what it is, maximize it to its fullest potential, and I know you'll be successful. Until next time, talk to you later. I'm Tony. This is Austin. Zot, zot, zot. And roll tide.